Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it may be when you are hearing this message. And uh, this is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and I just want to bring you uh, today's episode, and I trust it will be a blessing to you. <clears throat> we are in uh, a couple of powerful verses, uh, verses and uh, passages here in Jeremiah in these two chapters for today. We're in episode 232, and my reading for today is Jeremiah 30 and 31. And so I want to bring to you some of that for you. In Jeremiah chapter 30, first of all, he starts off, the Lord tells Jeremiah, write this in a book for yourself, all the words that I've spoken to you. And I just, I love that because as a writer myself, uh, that's a neat passage for those of us that are writers to take that in. It's just a neat verse for us. But also think about this, in the time of Jeremiah, these words, many of these words were to be preserved uh, because they were prophetic about way beyond his time. And we're going to see that in some of these chapters that we're looking at in verses today. For instance, <clears throat> in chapter 30 here, verses 3 through 11, we see prophetic words. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's speaking partially in the near time about the fulfillment that will come after the Babylonian captivity when they will be released and God will bring them back to their land. But when you read this, there will also, there is also a far fulfillment aspect to this prophecy. And it's really talking about the days when Messiah will return the second coming of Jesus to rule and reign in his kingdom on earth from Jerusalem. And the Bible literally speaks about that in many places. We've looked at some of those in Isaiah and other things. <clears throat> so we need to take the Bible literally when it is very clear that it's talking about something very literal. Literal. So we believe in the Messiah's coming kingdom. We believe that there, he will come. He will rule and reign from Jerusalem, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so a lot of these chapters are speaking about this. <clears throat> Verse 7, for instance, is talking about that what we typically call the tribulation time period in Christian circles, but it really is biblically called Daniel's 70th week or the time of Jacob's trouble. And those are days that are yet to come, but they're on the horizon in the near future for us. And you can find more about that in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. And we'll speak about that a little more when we get to Daniel. Also, you can see how God is going to draw and woo his people. He says in verse 11, yet I will not make a complete end of you but I will correct you in judgment. He's talking about the discipline he's having to bring at that time and then even in the tribulation period because he's going to send a remnant of them to the, to the wilderness. He's, he tells them in the middle of the tribulation when the abomination of desolation happens to flee to the wilderness, and it's in that spot that he's going to draw and woo them back to himself, <clears throat> and Israel will be saved. And so all of that is yet futuristic to come, but it's prophesied and spoken of all through the Bible. And here again, even in Jeremiah and some of these passages. 
in verses 8 and 9 here of chapter 30, it speaks of Jesus coming, his second coming, and the victory and the Messiah kingdom that he will bring in in this millennial reign, verses 8 and 9. In verse 10 and 11, this is encouraging them because it's a promise of good in the end. Yes, God had to discipline them. They had to endure the judgment, but that's not it. There's coming a better day for them. There's hope in the future, and God will bring them through. And so that's what this is speaking of. I want to read to you verse 17. And this is still part of that prophecy, but also I believe there is a natural and spiritual application that we can draw from this as well. In verse 17, it says, For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. Because they called you an outcast, saying, This is Zion, no one seeks her. In other words, you've been rejected by others, but you're not rejected by me. I'm going to restore health to you. I'm going to heal you of your wounds. And I love that because the promise here, this is such a beautiful promise. And I believe it has a spiritual application to us as well as even a natural. You know, I believe that God wants us to be healthy and strong. Now, that doesn't mean that we'll never encounter any sickness or any plagues or any of those other things. But I do believe that God is in the healing business and he loves his people and he still heals today. But he promises here health to them, restoring of health. He also promises to them that he will heal them of all their wounds. And wounds to me can represent deep hurts, bruises, cuts that were very deep, gashes and other things that are that are deep. They're not just superficial, but they're deep things. And those can be emotional. They can be spiritual, whatever they are. God is a God who heals. And I want you to just know today that if you have wounds, God can heal your wounds and he cares enough about you to do that if you will call out to him and ask him for his help. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Verse 22 through 24 also speak of this millennial reign, which you can read more details about how God is going to bring all of these things to pass. Um, all the scriptures fit together. See Revelation chapter 19, Joel chapter 3, Zechariah chapter 14, and even to the people of Israel, Genesis 49 is where Jacob gives prophetic words over his 12 sons and the tribes, but he says it will be in the latter days. That means in these last days. And the very last words of Jeremiah here in chapter 30 says, in the latter days, you will consider it in my Bible. It literally means to understand it or discern it. And we are living in those days, um, friend, that we are living in those days. In chapter 31, he continues with that in verse 1, because he says at the same time, we're still talking about that millennial reign here. He says, at the same time, says the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel and they shall be my people. And that refers us to the promises in the scripture and in the New Testament by Paul in Romans 9 through 11, that Israel will be saved. Hallelujah. Praise God. In verse 2, 
he's talking about the prophetic um, flight to the wilderness that Jesus spoke of because he's talking about how the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. Israel, when I went to give them rest. So Jesus will appear to them in the wilderness. Uh, the Bible talks about it being in Basra. Some say that's Petra today. We don't know. But God is going to find them and they're going to find grace in the wilderness. He's going to redeem his people. Israel, praise be to God. I love verse three, and I want you to know this is a precious verse for every one of us. This is not just for the people of Israel. This is for Jew, Gentile, any race, any um, male, female, whatever. The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Oh, praise God, beloved. That is a beautiful word. And I just speak that to you today and release that to you. There is a God in heaven who loves you with an everlasting love. As a matter of fact, it was because of that love that God gave his only begotten son, according to John 3.16, so that you could have eternal life with him. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment as we go through chapter 31. It's beautiful. So it says here, therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Oh, friend, know this, that the God in heaven who loves you is drawing you to come to him, is drawing you to know him as your personal Lord and Savior. And if you already do, he's drawing you deeper. He's drawing you into a deep and beautiful covenant relationship with him. And he's drawing you with his loving kindness, with his compassion and his tender mercies. Oh, praise be to God. Take that to heart today and let that just resonate within your spirit. Hallelujah. We find more prophecies of the millennial kingdoms um, strewn all throughout this particular chapter. But I want to point out in verse 7 also, I see here a specific way that we can pray for Israel. The Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The Bible encourages us to pray. As a matter of fact, Paul, he said, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they will be saved. So I want to, to just point this out to you. This is something you can implement and you can begin to pray these scriptures over the Jewish people, over the people of Israel, because God still, he's not done with them. He's drawing them back to himself. He loves the Jewish people. He loves his people. He loves Jew, Gentile. It doesn't matter. He loves everyone, but he is drawing them back in a special way. And he tells Jeremiah here, he says, For thus says the Lord, sing with gladness for Jacob and shout among the chief of the nations, proclaim, give praise and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. I encourage you to begin to pray those words that God will save his people, the remnant of Israel. Pray that along with Psalm 122, verse 6, and Romans 10, verse 1. And I also encourage you to look up Zechariah 12, 
verses 10 through 14 and pray those scriptures as well that God will give them a spirit of grace and supplication for them to look upon the Messiah whom they've pierced. We've all pierced him. We All of our sin put him on the cross, Jew and Gentile alike. Hallelujah. And both the Jews and the Romans killed him in that day, representing the Jews and the Gentiles. Nobody was a Christ killer by themselves. All of us, it was our sins that put him on the cross. But we need to pray that God will allow us the grace and the, and the spirit of grace and supplication talks about in Zechariah so that we can look on him and be saved. Look in faith and mourn in repentance. Hallelujah. We see verse 8 and 9 of chapter 31 of Jeremiah being partially fulfilled even today as the Jews are making Aliyah back home. Then in verse 11 through 14, oh, this is beautiful how the Lord has redeemed Jacob in that day in the millennial kingdom. By that time, the Lord will have redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he. It says they're going to be coming to Zion, singing and streaming. My Bible says streaming to the goodness of the Lord. That's what my version says. And I love that because it's talking about how it's drawn from the word that means to sparkle or to glisten. And it's kind of coming from that glistening of the sunlight as rivers would just stream down, you know. Um, and, and if you've sat beside a beautiful streaming river, you can think about that and you can remember how beautiful that is. And so it talks here about how we're going to be, there's going to be so many coming, streaming, coming together, assembling together. It's going to be like a, a, a beautiful glistening river with joy and cheerfulness on our faces, streaming to the goodness of God. Oh, friend, if you don't know him, I encourage you to know him. Taste and see because the Lord is good through and through. He has nothing but goodness in his heart, in his mind, in his will. It is all good and he will bless you like you've never been blessed before and you will have peace you've never known before. Praise God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. In verse 15, we read the verse that was quoted and fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2 when Herod killed so many of uh, Rachel's children representing the children in Bethlehem that occurred at the massacre of the innocents. I love verse 16 and 17 also because this is a beloved promise of prodigals coming back home children that went astray, but they're coming back. God is going to bring them back. And we can believe that for our children, for our families. Hallelujah. I want to read to you verses 18 through 20. And I want to point out something here in this as we begin to draw down to a close. We have just a few more verses to cover. In verse 18 through 20, God is speaking here. And he says, I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself. You have chastised me and I was chastised like an untrained bull. Restore me and I will return for you are the Lord, my God. Surely after my turning, I repented. And after I was instructed, I struck myself on the thigh. I was ashamed, yes, even humiliated because I bore the reproach of my youth. 
Now, that's what Ephraim was saying to God. Now, this is God. And God says this, Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a pleasant child? For though I spoke against him, I earnestly remember him. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, says the Lord. And what the Lord showed me in that was that um, God, what God is saying here is that he is um, intentional and he responds to sincere prayers of repentance when they are given. I love this because this is God's response to sincere repentance. When someone like Ephraim was saying here, when, when someone repents, they humble themselves, they are ashamed and, and sincerely repentant and sorry for their sins, and they call out to God, God responds, and he will not turn them away. It says he will remember him still and his heart yearns. God's heart yearns for that. He surely has mercy on those who are sincerely repentant because Micah tells us that he delights in mercy and James tells us that he desires mercy to triumph over judgment. So God will do that. Hallelujah. And then in verse 31 through 34, this is where we have the prophetic word about the new covenant. Oh, how great is the new covenant. And this is repeated, quoted, and explained more in detail in the book of Hebrews, especially in chapter 8 of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is the bridge between the Old Testament and the New. To understand the New Testament, you need to understand the book of Hebrews and how it connects the two together and how God explains so much of the Old Testament in the book of Hebrews and shows us the connection and how it fits together like hand in glove. But the New Covenant, listen to this, verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Beloved, this new covenant was cut through Jesus Christ paying the price, being nailed to the cross, having the lashes of the Roman scourge split his body wide open and blood pouring out, the crown of thorns pouring upon him, his body being nailed to the cross and every ounce of the priceless, precious blood of Jesus flowing from his body. In that moment, God was cutting this new covenant 
with me and with you and with the world, with everyone who will believe in him. And all of those who will come under that new covenant, who will receive Jesus Christ, call upon him, repent of sins, and be born again anew, they will be heirs to this new covenant. So what is this new covenant all about? It's all about relationship. He says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. It's not going to be some extended thing from the exterior, from the out, outside, that's like a, a stick that's beating us over the head. It's going to be fresh. It's going to be from within our very heart's desires. God's going to do that work. And he does it in the new covenant. And that's why sometimes even a brand new Christian knows the difference between their old life and the new. They know when they're doing wrong. They know it's automatic because the Spirit of God has written it on their hearts and on their minds. Hallelujah. He has put it inside of them. And then he goes on with this relationship. He says, I'm going to be their God and they shall be my people. Every time you read that in the scriptures, that is talking about God and us in sweet communion and fellowship in relationship. That's what he means when he says that I'll be their God and they will be my people. He's talking about relationship. He goes on in verse 34 of chapter 31 of Jeremiah. And he says, no more will they say, know the Lord, because they're all going to know me. Listen to this, from the least of them to the greatest of them. This relationship is available to everyone. It doesn't matter what race. It doesn't matter what social status. It doesn't matter what economic status or class. It matters not. It does not matter. It's the same gospel. It's the same covenant with those that are, are wealthy and famous and whatever that come in sincere relationship with Jesus Christ as it is for the hobos and those on the street and those um, in, the, in the poor houses. It doesn't matter the level of wealth or anything. He says, they will all know me. All know me from the least to the greatest of them. And then watch this. The other part of that new covenant. The forgiveness of sins. He says, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. We're the ones who keep bringing up our past sins. It's not God. He says, I'll remember them no more. When our sins are washed away and covered by the blood of Jesus, we are free from them. We are free from the sins. We are free from the guilt. We are free from the shame. They are gone. They are in a sea of forgetfulness. And beloved, we just got to get it under our skin and in our heads that when the devil comes and tries to bring those things back up, we say, uh-uh, it's covered by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. That might have been me then, but it is not me now. I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. The old things are gone and the new has come. And all of this is made possible for us because of Jesus Christ who cut this new covenant on our behalf. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. And I hope and pray you know him and you are growing 
in a relationship with him. Thank him afresh for his precious blood, his priceless blood. Every drop was priceless. And so I encourage you today with that word. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. Lord willing, we will do more episodes of Bible Bites. And I pray that you can join in as the Lord wills each and every day. God bless you today in Jesus' name.